What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first installment of the Call Third podcast right here, exclusively on Mini Mike's Network, brand new podcast network. I'm working out with my guy, Jared Payton, um, Payton Sports Network. We had to botch that for a little while. We'll be getting back to you on some other things. Well, this is our baseball version on Mini Mike's Network. We got a lot of other shows coming up. I'll be introducing those hosts and co-hosts to you. We're going to talk about the White Sox, the Cubs, some interesting topics. I also want to get into, in every era, I had a great talk with my dad today, who's a Chicago baseball historian and pretty much schooled me to everything when I was a youngster. And he gave me some background on Dick Allen today, some stuff I didn't know about that made me want to bring up a topic of every era since African-Americans have been allowed into Major League Baseball. You can literally debate that every era of baseball since that time has had an Afro- African-American or a player of color as the best player in that era. You can arguably arguably say that, and I want to talk about it based upon the fact that Mookie, in my opinion right now, is the best player in Major League Baseball with two World Series championships. We can get into that. We can talk about it. But let's start off with the first pitch. MLB came off its shortened season, a truncated season, and ended up, in my opinion, guys, with a great, great World Series. My guest this evening, Scott Lewis from Barber's Chair Network. Barber's Chair Scott, you can follow him on Twitter. My guy, Gino at Stay Humble, Eugene McIntosh from the Bigs, and his cohort. The other half of the bigs, Terrence Tomlin. Tomlin does it on Twitter. Go follow everybody right now. So, guys, we talk about this truncated season, 60 games in a regular season, bubble in the playoffs. Was it a success? And do you think the World Series entertained folks enough? Forget the ratings, because we knew the ratings would drop off just because of the pandemic and everything that was going on. But overall, was MLB successful? putting on the season in the World Series? Um, I think uh, they were as successful as they possibly could be. I mean, dealing with the circumstances that they had to deal, especially with the big outbreak they had at the beginning with the Marlins and the Cardinals and everything like that. I thought in general it was a little weird, Um, just not just baseball, but, like, I feel like sports in general since the pandemic started, like, the no crowd thing really, really bothers me <laughs> to the point where, like, you know, like I'm into it, but I'm not all the way into it. So I feel like the World Series is a really good series. And, you know, but I just keep thinking, like, what, what would have Dodger Stadium been like, you know, when the Dodgers won the World Series in there? Like, I know it was crazy out here. Just, you know, people were still partying like it didn't. Like, what nothing going on? People still letting cars on fire and everything like that. So the celebration didn't change anything. But, you know, for four, I feel like it was some good baseball being played. Um, I feel like the playoffs were as good as it possibly could be. So, and, you know, they had a little outbreak at the end with Justin Turner, which, you know, uh, what's my man? Manfred can thank the NFL for nobody thinking about that anymore. Um, so I think, you know, I, I'll give it, you know, uh, probably like a, a B, B minus overall for how it went all right go ahead t oh no i was just gonna piggyback on what scott was saying you know uh as soon as i I think of the word success i'm like hold on it was a mug with covid you know out spreading it celebrating the world series championship so it's hard to say that it was a success 
uh, man. But I think that if they were trying to, you know, entertain it and, re, you know, recoup any dollars that they possibly could, yeah, you can call that a success, um, especially from, you know, a White Sox standpoint where you look at a team that was looking to take some, step for, some steps forward and they were still able to do that even in a 60-game season. Um, you saw you, you saw the pitching staff take some steps forward with Lucas Giolito uh, getting some real good playoff experience. You, Jose Abreu went on to snatch the MVP award. So I think that in, in, in terms of were you able to, to get a, a progressive season out of 60 games, the answer is yes, for sure. Man, I think – Job. Same with those guys, man. I think if you're looking at MLB standards, I think it was a progressive season. I still think Rob Manfred is an idiot. But at the same time, um, as far as the 60-game season, um, I'm pretty sure those guys would have loved to play 162 because we know as baseball guys that the season really doesn't start until probably a little bit after the halfway mark. So exactly, you yeah. can kind of take some of those, those things – you know, depending on how you want to look at them, they could be premature and not just piggybacking off what T was saying with the White Sox. Uh, they had a pretty successful season, but I would have loved to see them go to whole 162 and see how it would have played out there. But yeah, I think it was, I think it was progressive for the most part. I'm just glad we got through a whole season because to be honest, I thought they would have shut that thing down midway through. And as far as Justin Turner is concerned, with that whole little celebration thing, this is America, bro. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Facts. So, man, let's talk about some of the postseason awards. Of course, uh, our big guy over on the south side ended up with the MVP, rightfully so. Uh, and I would say the series that pretty much stamped him, in my opinion, is when they walk into Wrigley Field and what he did those three games. And even the face, you remember Gino, like that first inning of matchup on Sunday, the Cubs won that Sunday game, but Darvish was going in that first at bat. He threw a slider down and away. And when Jose hit it out, Darvish had a look on his face like, yo, hey, <laughs> right. ain't nothing I can do. It's like, there's right. no way he should hit that out. Right. I think from that point on, man, he just took off and just, he was on an RBI tear. And you, you remember early in the season, he was slumping. He left so many play people on base early in the season. He, man, he could have had a crazy, crazy season stat-wise, but just an incredible season for Jose Abreu leading that young Sox team to the playoffs. Um, Freeman in the National League, man. This dude is just so sweet and so consistent over at first base. He, to me, he's like the, the, the corner counterpart of what Nolan Arenado is at third yeah. in the National League. Like offensively, defensively, just total complete package, just smooth. And, uh, yeah, for both of those, I think they both are deserving. Is there anybody else? I know Mookie came in second for the National League MVP. Is there anybody else that you really thought had a chance to supplant either one of those guys in that race? Well, I thought that they were probably I, – I was worried about them uh, screwing Jose over for Jose Ramirez um, because it's a little hot two weeks he had. Yeah. Um, right. So I thought they was going to get that, you know, confused. But um, besides that, I mean, I wouldn't have been mad if they would have gave it to Mookie with, with, in the in National League because I kind of feel like he he changed 
the Dodgers, you know, kind of like he – not to say he brought a winning attitude. They've always yeah. been, you know, they've been in the conversation for eight years now, but they've never actually gotten over that hump of winning the World Series. It's like he actually took them over that hump. So I wouldn't have been mad at that. And like you said, I agree. I think he's the best player in baseball. So – but, you know, Freddie Freeman, when he did, man, them numbers was crazy. The 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 uh, the Braves had an incredible season. They actually went further than I expected them to go. Um. You know, they, they, they jagged that series against the Dodgers at the end, but, you know, they're still still a very young team, and, you know, the Dodgers got a lot of vets on there, and I just felt like they were like, yo, we can't lose this after how many years we didn't got here and we didn't blew it. So, but I'm not really – I'm not mad at, you know, it, it how it came out. So I think both were pretty, you know, pretty uh accepting of, well, you know, them winning it. Yeah, man, I, I think that uh, before the season, if you would have said that those two guys were the MVPs, I'm not sure if I would have believed you. Mm. You know what I mean? I, you know – but I, I feel like they both, you know, especially Jose Abreu, his story was undeniable. You know I mean, you, you saw the way he reacted after getting the MVP. But like you said, man, it, the, you know, you're talking about a cat that started slow, mm-hmm. but then completely put the team on his back series after series. You know, even, even you know, and I know it didn't count, you know, in terms of voting, but even into the playoffs, you know, he was able to carry it throughout the, you know, most of the, you know, most of the season. And like you said, Scott Freddie Freeman over there in Atlanta just w- was killing all season. So it, it was one of those years where I feel like it was two easy picks for, for MVP. Yeah, same here, man. I, um, I'm not surprised. It would have been a, a Travis Sham mockery had anyone else taken, you know, either of those awards. I felt like Jose Abreu was more than deserving. Um, Freddie Freeman is probably a product of the Atlanta Braves being back on the map, even though, like they said, the the, the awards are uh, voted on before the playoffs start. So, I mean, Freddie Freeman has been a beast for a long time, but I think once you put yourself, once you, you know, put yourself amongst the top leaders as far as getting your team to the promised land and to the playoffs, then that's when people really, you know, get a chance to, take you a little more serious and, you know, Ronald Acuna and uh, Albies and those other guys that got his back, you know, as is giving Atlanta, you know, um, I wouldn't say more national TV time, but, you know, it's giving them some, some exciting players to look out for. And that, I think that helped Freddie Freeman as well. So we go over to Cy Young. We had Bauer and Bieber winning those awards. Uh, yeah. Bauer pretty much shut down. I think Jacob DeGrom was trying to be become the second picture to only win to win the Cy Young four straight years. The other yeah. guy to do it was Randy Johnson, the big unit. Yeah. So he stopped that streak. And honestly, you know, having a good first half, right? Going into the all-star break. You know, if you stretch it out to 162, DeGrom probably over the 162 ends up coming back. So I think he plays third. But I agree with both of those. I think Bieber was dominant even though the White Sox got to him a little bit in that last uh, game in Cleveland when they played, I think, a week out before the end of the regular season. And um, that cat, Devin Williams, yo. Yeah. What that what that young kid did for the Brewers to come up and step up for that bullpen yeah. was absolutely phenomenal. It was a dope look. And then uh, I want to get you guys thought. Scott, you were adamant that it shouldn't have been a, a unanimous rookie of the year vote in the American League. You felt like Louis still should have gotten the first place vote. Yeah. But I, yeah, just, I you know, he did stretch. 
I mean, he, he had a he had a bad month and a half, but Kyle Lewis had a bad month too. <laughs> they they yeah. both pretty much sucked down the stretch. And I wasn't I wasn't uh mad at Luis not winning it, but you know, unanimous is asinine. Like like there's there's no way you watch both of them play. And you know, granted, I didn't watch too too many Mariners games because I, I value my time and I'm not gonna take three hours to watch the other Mariners, <laughs> but. Uh, I know, right? Come on. Yeah, just, I feel like, you know, at least we should have got a couple votes. That, that's my only beef. But, you know, I never have a problem with actually winning it. Any black player winning any awards, I'm down with. But, you know, I feel like my man Luis should got a little bit more love. Man, I've never seen anybody in a span of like three weeks go from – he probably, at the time, right before he started the slump, it's fair to say that Louis Robert was probably the unanimous Yeah, vote. he had it. Yeah, and he started. He just they just started uh, sending um breaking balls at him. He swinging everything. It's like he never. It's like he never adjusted to it. It's like you know it was. He's like the most frustrating player to watch on the White Sox because he's so damn talented. And I granted he's young. He'll get better. Moncada swung at everything his rookie year, so he'll get better. But I would be screaming at my TV. Be patient, right? Like you ain't got to. Like I've never played baseball like past a high school level in my entire life but even i know don't swing at that like like what are you doing so that was probably uh, that's he just went off the cliff so that, that that's pretty much pretty much but he had it he had it until like the last month yeah i agree man i, I feel like as far as the vote goes you could have gave uh you could have gave our boy your first place vote off of what he does on defense alone like yeah. the man just covers so much space and no was Oh, come on. And, yo, he was basically playing two positions, you know, if Eloy was out there. So, um, like like you said, Scott, I'm not mad anytime a brother can get, you know, uh, some hardware. And I personally, I didn't get a bunch of chances to see Kyle Lewis anyway. So I may be, you know, kind of biased. But, you know, I think when you look at the futures of, those, of both of those guys, man, you got to be happy to have one of those cats. So would it have been cool if Luis got a vote? Cool. But man, the future's so bright, it's like whatever, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel y'all on the Luis Robert. Didn't he win the gold glove? Yeah. So they made up for it, man. They they made mm -hmm. up for it. Personally, uh, I saw as far as Kyle Lewis and Luis Robert are concerned, I feel like Kyle Lewis he showed like limitless potential in the games because I watched Seattle a lot this year, just trying to see. Carl Edwards Jr. get a relief appearance. So I <laughs> to watch Kyle Lewis. And I mean, he was among he he I think he he might have even been tied or he led all rookies in home runs with 11. And you know, they could play him all over the field. So I think that's what led to, you know, his I guess taking it of AL rookie of the year. As far as NL rookie of the year with Devin Williams taking it. Uh, he had a spectacular season. I didn't get a chance to see him uh, pitch against the Cubs this year, but I actually had a vote for NL Rookie of the Year this year, and I actually picked uh, – I voted for Alec Baum from, uh, for the Phillies, the third baseman. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, – I mean, no disrespect to, to Williams, but I feel like a guy that can come in and, and man third base. I um, think he hit like 338. He was leading in doubles. Um, I think he was third in the league in uh, average with runners in scoring position. So I just felt like he did a lot for a Philadelphia Phillies team who was, you know, they were they were iffy. They they were on the brink of playoffs and not 
But I think he showed that he could be not necessarily a Nolan Arenado type, but he could definitely be um, a, a great third baseman for the next 10 to 12 years in Philly. Man, absolutely. We go ahead. Kevin Cash and Don Manley were the winners of the manager of the years, respectively, in the American League and National League. Uh, Scott, you touched on it when you were talking about your opening statement, man. Look, what Don Madden was able to do with that Marlins team, yeah. especially the way the season started off, the way COVID-19 ran through their players and ran through their locker room to get them back on track. Yeah. You really compete for a playoff spot the majority of the year down to the last um, game of the season. And then um, I think David Ross, the job he did, that was a lot of expectations and uncertainty, Gino, when you talk about the Cubs, because every no one knew. We know now what Theo ended up doing, but going into the season, we didn't know what Theo's mindset was. Right. Uh, the ownership looks like they didn't want to spend. They weren't going to spend. I ain't no look like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the pandemic hits, and it's like, man, David Ross has a team that is expected to win the division Right. And to be contenders for the World Series. And he's coming on the heels of a guy that brought a world championship from a managerial position and Joe Madden going out to the Angels. You have to fill his shoes. That was a lot of pressure. But I thought David Ross showed himself quite well in his first season. Yeah, I think I think Ross did pretty good, especially for somebody who's never, you know, managed before. He really just came out the out the booth, uh, you know, being with ESPN for that little time. Um, Mattingly, you gotta give him a good job. And Kevin Cash, man, they they did good. Um, my only this is my beef with the Rays, though. And this is my beef with the Rays the entire season. I get tired of the small market. Oh, they did it the right way, BS. Like, <laughs> I don't want to praise owners not spending money. Like, you know, especially as a White Sox fan, and it irritates the hell out of me. So I, I didn't I, – I, that's besides the fact that I wanted the Dodgers to win just so everybody, uh, all my L.A. friends can shut up and, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and stop complaining for once. So um, I just wanted to win because I didn't want to hear that they did the right way. Look at the narrative. You can win a championship without spending money. So I was kind of anti-raised majority of the year. But <laughs> Kevin Cash as a manager I think was awesome. Uh, obviously playoffs didn't have anything to factor with it. I think taking Blake Snell out. One of the most asinine decisions of the year. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm just old school. I really don't care what analytics say. Oh, if, your, if, if your horse is 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 pitching and the season's on the line, I'm riding with him to the wheels fall off. Because at least it's kind of like the the LeBron passing narrative. I'm not gonna lose sleep if LeBron misses a shot. I'm gonna lose sleep thinking that Danny Green missed a shot right. when I could have just gave it to LeBron. So I'm gonna lose sleep if my bullpen blows it. If stand instead of uh, riding my horse, so I kind of feel like that was something that you know maybe you know just ruined soured me on him. But he did a good did uh, did a good job for pretty much majority of the season. I think he was deserving. No, I agree hundred percent, man. When it comes to the Rays, it, it took me a while to even really pay them full attention. Right, I mean, uh, first place, right? Exactly. It, right. It, they, they made me have to Google. I'm like, who the hell is on the raise? Bro? Right. <laughs> so so that, you know, but I feel like it's always a, a chance, always a team that that kind of explodes onto the scene like that. But uh, when it comes to David Ross, I agree as well, man. I, I thought that for his first season, uh, he had a lot of things that could have worked against him. Uh, and even during the season, the man, they like go down the Cubs roster and they best players all had probably their worst season since they've been uh you know since they've been in the majors 
and they still, you know, stayed at the top of that division. I think that goes, you know, says I think it says a lot about who David Ross is as a manager. He's not just their friend. You know what I mean? Like they respond to this man. And I think that the Cubs found themselves another good manager after losing, you know, probably their best manager of all time. Man, as far as the Marlins and fuck uh, uh, the Rays and the Marlins, I couldn't tell you at the beginning of the season, I couldn't tell you who was on either one of them rosters. So <laughs> the fact that them guys making it to the offices manager of the year worthy for me. Uh, Don Mattingly was one of my favorite guys coming up in the 80s and early 90s. So Thanks. I appreciate having that old school mentality. Too bad we didn't get a chance to chop it up with him, but I would have loved to do that. But yeah, those guys were deserving. And as far as David Ross, um, I don't know, T, man. He was cool. But I felt <laughs> like, yeah, I, I felt like the, the cars were you know, the, the, the cars were already there. They just, he just shuffled the deck a little bit. And I felt like he had a moment. He had a moment when that Javi play early on in the season when Javi hit that ball down the line and didn't hustle out of the mm -hmm. box. And mm -hmm. it, luckily it didn't end up costing them, but that was a time when, you know, you kind of set your foot down and you, and you set the tone right there, but he kind of just let it slide. He, you know, he made some remarks about it, but then, Later on in the season, somebody else did something like that, and then he wanted to put his foot down. And I felt like that was kind of huff. But, I mean, I like Rossi. You know I like Rossi. I think the past relationships, you know, John Lester, uh, all the guys that were on that, that World Series team, I think they looked at him like a father figure. You know, Riz and KB always talked about that. And I think that boded well for those guys this year. Um, I think the pandemic and everything that, that happened was the main reason why, like T said, those guys probably had their worst seasons. Rizzo, uh, Javi, KB, Schwartz, all of those guys, they all had horrible seasons. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm definitely looking for Rossi to come back with a uh, kind of a renewed energy and a different kind of outlook, especially since Theo ain't there. Jed is going to implement, you know, what he wants to do going forward. So, I'm just interested to see that dynamic and how it plays out. So let's go ahead and turn two, man. Let's move on from that. But let's stick with the Cubs. You talk about that, Gino. Let's lead off with you. You, you cover the team. You've been in that locker room before the World Series, leading up to the World Series, and then, you know, the, the decline after the World Series, the slow decline, even though they're right at the front and contending for that division all the time. Right. I think it's safe to say that what kind of uh, contributed to that was I don't think real people we knew St. Louis would be there. I don't think people really saw Milwaukee coming. And I think when they got Lorenzo Kane, they kind of bumped them up a whole nother level. They had Hater, but then they got some really good starting pitching that was a little bit better than most people anticipated. Yeah. And they caught the Cubs off guard as they were kind of declining. That added to it. But I want to ask you this this question. Um are they rebuilding? Theo step away. We've seen them non-tender Schwarber, Albert Amor. They tender Chris Bryant, but a lot of people seem to believe that he's going to be moved and won't be on the opening day roster. So are we looking at a rebuild, or is this organization still trying to find a way to patch things and still contend and uh, get to the World Series in the next couple of years? Man, I wouldn't necessarily call it a, call it a rebuild. I would say more of a retool. 
But, I mean, they still got the talent, man. When you talk about the NL Central, like you said, Milwaukee, they came out like gangbusters a couple years ago. Uh, caught up caught up not just the Cubs, but the NL Central in general. But I think they've kind of come back down to reality. And when you look at the NL Central as a whole, I mean, nobody's scared of the Pirates. The Cardinals are just the Cardinals. You know, they are who they are. Yeah. Are who they are. I think the Reds kind of surprised some people last year, but nobody's scared of the Reds. So I think as long as you come back with these, not the same guys, because like you said, they non-tendered Schwab, non-tendered Almora. Uh, KB got the, you know, got the contract. Who's to say if he's coming back or not? I would love to see KB back just for, you know, for redemption purposes. He's a rookie. Gino, Gino, do you think KB regrets not getting that 200 mil when they offered it to him? But you got to think about this. KB said, "When was he ever? When did he ever turn down two hundred mil?" <laughs> and I think, I mean, you got to you got to realize who his agent is, man. The money monster himself, Scott Boris. Boris. So two hundred mil ain't nothing. So even if he did get that offer, of course he was going to turn that down. Yep. But again, that's why I want to see him be able to come back and show the guy who he really is: the NL MVP, the former Rookie of the Year. Um, like we said, you never know what goes on in these guys' personal lives. Personally, I love KB. I mean, he's a soft-spoken guy. I know a lot of people could take that either way, could call him soft or whatever, but he's far from soft. And when he's at his peak, what me and Terrence talked about it a lot, man, and I think one of the main things that played into his downfall, which has been the past couple years, is the, the time when we were out in Colorado covering the team the year he got hit in the face. Mm. And if you look at his stats – righties versus lefties his stats are are just totally down all the way and then even if you delve deeper into chris bryant if you look at the way if you look at his batting stance he's further away from the plate he's deeper in the box it's just a lot of things that i've noticed about him that weren't were much different than the old chris bryant so i mean that could play a factor you know me and t always say man we're not making no excuses for no grown men who get paid top dollar but uh, back to the original thing, um, I don't think it's a, a rebuild. I think it's a retool. You know, Ricketts spent a few dollars. Like we know, he, they turned Wrigleyville into Ricketsville. So he's trying to recoup his bread, man. You saw the Cubs had the most cuts, front office cuts in Major League Baseball. I think it was the same thing with Kyle Schwarber. They weren't trying to pay a guy eight, nine, ten million million to be Huff in the outfield and Huff at the plate. So hopefully they can put that bread to use, bring in a couple, maybe another arm to kind of show up to start a pitching rotation and bring in a bat. You know, I would love to see DJ LeMayhew or somebody like that, a vet who can kind of feel that Ben Zobris type of role, come in and just be that guy you can count on. And I ain't worried about Javi Riz, KB, Jay Hay, all them guys, Ill, Willie Contreras, all those guys, they'll be back ready to ball, man. So I'm looking forward to it. You see, um, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Scott. I will go after you. Um, so so uh, put my objective baseball fan glasses on. Uh, glasses off. I will say that I feel like a lot of the down numbers we saw from the Cubs were more of a result of the 60 game season and how you kind of got to look at the stats with like. Not too, too much emphasis. And I say the same thing with the White Sox, too, because I want to see them with a full 162 before I get right. crazy, crazy. But right. I don't believe Javi is a guy who's batting 170 or some, some shit like that. No. Um, no. 
I don't believe, uh, you know, Rizzo's that bad. I don't believe, you know, Contreras, as much as he'd be wolfing, that he's that bad. I think that these are guys where they just really couldn't get into a rhythm. And I think uh, Gino said it earlier, too, the season don't really get started to the 60, 70 game mark. In yeah. a regular season, I don't even look at the standings till July. So yeah. I feel like they'll get better. Now, it's really, I feel like it really kind of depends on what Jed Hoyer's vision is going to be. Now that it's his um team and i'm glad that they gave him the helms of because i feel like he deserved i feel like he's one of the most deserving guys in baseball he's been theo's right hand man not just in chicago but also in boston so i feel like it's his time i don't think he wants to start his reign as a complete uh you know re rebuild and i don't think it's gonna be a rebuild you know we're back to the court patterson days and stuff like that i think it's gonna be more of a like like gino said a retool when you keep some of the guys i do not think chris bryan was on the roster i do think that he's gonna go i think it's kind of like the frankie lindor situation was just a matter of time to their being gone um so i do think they'll be gone i think they'll probably build around javi keep rizzo probably keep Contreras and just and, you know and, and plug in there and Ricky's is a guy where I feel like more he's kind of like he's at the part where he's like okay we won the championship I'm gonna get my money back <laughs> so that's why I think why he's that's been just it. with it because the, the Cubs have zero reason to be calling poor that's the that's like when Brian Cashman be talking about the Yankees ain't got no money like get out of my face like what are you talking right. about you're the Yankees so I do think there's an opportunity for and they're in a, they're in a terrible division they're terrible. a terrible division. So I don't see the point of tearing it all down. Even if they did tear it down, they'd probably compete for the title anyway by default. So if I were them, I would just get rid of a couple pieces, see what you can get, rebuild that farm system, which is something I feel like they really, really need to do, and rebuild it with pitching. You know what I'm saying? Get get somebody to come in and replace Lester. Come in there to, you know, add to what you got with Hendricks, who's probably my non my, my only non-White Sox favorite pitch, I love watching Kyle Hendricks uh, pitch, and um, and be with you, Darvish, and try to retool from there. Because to me, there's no reason to just completely tear it down. To me, you just be doing that to be doing that. Yeah. yeah. You know what? I, I feel like I'm going to be standing kind of alone on this one, man, because it, is it a rebuild right now? No. But could it be next year? I feel like that's still up in the air, man, you know. Since the uh, since 2016, the Cubs have taken a step in the wrong direction every single year. You know I mean, and and although you look at you know you look at that roster on paper and you say, oh, this guy shouldn't be playing like this. This guy shouldn't be playing like this. The fact of the matter is, they've been you know these guys been slumping for a couple of years at this point. And and Javi, like you guys said, Javi is somebody I, I I'm willing to bet turns it around. You know, but Chris Bryant at this point. I mean, I'm like, okay, now, is this the new Chris Bryant? And I'm one of the guys that have been, you know, I'm always, I've been more in favor of giving him chances and, you know, saying that his injury and that he needs to get his, his mind right. He just, like Gene said, he just doesn't look like that guy right now, though. You know I mean, yeah. and Rizzo, you know what I mean, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's better than he is, but is he a guy that you want to build your team around? I feel like those questions are still out there. You know, so even though it's not a rebuild right now, I'm looking at how can they get better. I'm looking at that farm system like it's been depleted. Yeah, you know, how do you how do you build from within if it's nothing within? You know, so sooner or later the options are going to be, hey, we're gonna have to trade Wilson Contreras. Like we're gonna have to get rid of Chris Bryant. You know, and and that's a slippery, slippery slope. And, and so right now I I'm, I still feel like these guys may be closer to their next rebuild than their next championship. 
You know, we'll, we'll uh, this off season is huge. We we'll see. And I got, I also got a comment too, real quick, Sean, uh, to piggyback off what Terrence is saying. I think they kind of got to look at the landscape of the NL too. Like, how do you think? Like, can you really compete? Like, the Dodgers are the champions, and mm. they ain't going nowhere. They like they might actually get Lindor, and the Padres are the team that's coming up next. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, dude, all the Cubs willing to spend money to stay in that. Uh, conversation, I believe. I believe those are the two teams that's going to be running the National League for the foreseeable future. Right. right. It's been rumored to get Lindor, but what, what Seager did in the playoffs, that might not happen. But then we talked about this, Scott. The rumor came out, I think it was John Heyman saying that they might be targeting Arenado because Justin Turner's a free agent. And I said, dude, Manfred has to step in. Like, <laughs> ain't getting over Arenado. Like they gotta pull the same thing they pulled with Chris Paul going to the Lakers. Like, and, nah, and we're no. forgetting David Price is coming back next year. Right, so that's another offer now. Like, yeah. that's nah. the NL All Star team over there. Okay, yeah, they, they, crazy, they, but and you can't hate, right? Because they've been able to develop pitching going back to Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale, all the way to Fernando Valenzuela, then the Or Hershiser, then they get Kershaw, and now they got Walker Bueller. It's like so. They do it the right way from drafting and development, and then they they draft well the position players. You got you got They're not going to be worried about spending money either because you got to look at it. They want to recoup this this um championship money since wasn't nobody yeah. able to come to Dodger Stadium this year. And I, I keep telling people like, yeah, people love the Lakers. Lakers won a championship. People went crazy. But the Dodgers, I don't think people understand, like, the Dodgers are, if the Lakers are the king, but the Dodgers are, like, right, right up there with them. Like, this is a Laker-Dodger town. I didn't even know that until I moved here. It's They're, like, in the same bracket. So these fans, to me, to sell, I heard more gunshots outside when the Dodgers won than when the Lakers won. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. they, they're going to want to keep, you know, putting a good feel on the team. And so when the pandemic calms down, Dodger Stadium can even be, they can get more money. So I think that's going to be something that Magic and them ain't going to have no problem of keep cutting checks. Yeah. I think Gino and T can speak to that buzz because you guys went out there when the Cubs were facing off against the Dodgers when they won the World Series. And the games at Chavez Ravine were, like, hotly contested. That series was hotly contested. Man, man, let me tell you. about to say that it, it was about three fights every game. <laughs> yeah, Dodger fans love to fight. <laughs> trying to tell you, it's definitely serious out there, Scott. Yeah, I definitely think the Dodgers got the Lakers favored. If not, and not by much, CEO, you've been out there yeah. long enough to know. So, but I, I would say Dodger fans are more knowledgeable about the game. If exactly. you want to hear terrible basketball conversation, sit in the Staples Center. <laughs> sit in the Staples Center for a couple games. You want to blow your head out. It's terrible. <laughs> so, Gino, since we talked about the slow demise, I don't want to say demise, but you know, coming from the championship and each and every year, Milwaukee coming up and you just see a slow decline. Can you bookmark, is there like a certain a move that was made by the front office or a player that was taken away from the roster? Is there something you can bookmark that you can point to to say, that's the moment that I saw that everything was different? Well, not necessarily a specific moment, but just – Theo, you know, Theo just having too much faith in his guys, man. Having faith mm -hmm. in those young guys that achieve, reach the mountaintop at such a young age. When we talk about 
a guy like Addison Russell, who's no longer a part of the organization, uh, Kyle Schwarber, who's no longer part of the organization, Albert Almora Jr., guys who just never reached the potential that I don't even think we have for him. I think it was a Theo thing. I think Theo really, really believed in his guys, especially Kyle Schwarber. Like, he was Theo's number one guy, and I felt like Jed shows you what time it was. Like, as soon as Theo <laughs> went out the door, hey, Kyle, we love you. You're a Cubs legend forever. What you did, we'll never forget you. If you want to come back for less bread, come on, <laughs> right. let's talk about it. Right. But I feel like that, and just the, the letting Joe go. I felt like letting Joe go was a clear indication of where this team was headed because I feel like Joe Madden was the glue to everything that was going on. You know, he wasn't a yes man. There was a lot of talk, but we know behind the scenes, me and T know that, you know, the Cubs kind of wanted a yes man. Joe was doing things his way. You know, his track record speaks for itself. Um, a lot of the most of the, all of the guys love Joe. They love the fact that he let them police themselves. Um, I don't think any of that had to do with the, with the, with the play on the field. I just think, Hey, it's baseball, man. And when you, when you reach that mountaintop at 22 years old, 23 years old, me and T talk about it. This baseball, man, you're not guaranteed to come right back and do it again because right. you have talent. So just um, a couple of those things, those are the couple of things that, that really stood out of my mind. But when Theo you know, changed after 2018, when he came back, with that same team from 17 to 18 when he brought them back for 19. Nah, man. It's over. <laughs> you know, I'm going I'm to throw something at you um, because I, I feel like things started to change in game seven of the World Series. You know what I mean? With some of those decisions that Joe Madden made with the pitching staff, man, I feel like it, it, part of the craziness out of that situation was not only the fans, but management may have felt like they won that game in spite of Joe Madden. You know what I mean? And then when you look at how – that, remember that slow start from 2017 and everybody was saying it's the championship hangover, it's the championship hangover that they never really shook themselves out of. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I go back to, to that game, and I know it was the World Series, but game seven – kind of changed people's opinion towards Joe Madden. But even why they ended up winning the World Series. Why though? What did he do? What did he do to deserve they, it? they thought he almost cost them the game leaving Chapman out there. Why not leave Chapman out there? He was, well, he was on the we, back. Know, we know the philosophy behind it. But if you were watching that game your booty hole was tight. You feel me? He was like, oh, shit. But I, I, I think I think he was like, I feel like he was, I agree with you, Terrence, because I feel like he he was wilding with his uh, Chapman usage all playoffs. And it's kind of like he kept touching the stove, hoping he didn't get burned. And he almost got his hand burned off in the game in game seven. Like, uh, I don't know if it was Roger, Roger Davis hit the home run off him, right? Right. Yeah. After that, and anybody who knows me, like, I, I, I can't stand the Cubs. I felt bad for the Cubs when that home run. I was like, okay. I was like, look, this is too much pain for any fan. Like, even I was like, okay, timeout. Like, this has got to stop. Right. <laughs> I swear. But I don't necessarily think, me personally, I told T the last time we talked about this, Araldis Chapman wasn't coming back in 2017. So use every piece of his arm that he got. That's what they spent $20 million on him for. That's true. Like, Throw him in for nine outs in game two. Throw him in for five, seven outs in game five. Throw right. him until his arm is about to fall off. 
I felt like that was, I felt like the Cubs breaking that 108 year streak, that was going to happen regardless. It was going to come down. Rajay Davis was going to hit a home run off of whoever threw him that pitch. But see, now I feel like if you talk to the average Cubs fan, because you know, I don't think you're the average Cubs fan. When Rajay Davis hit that home run, Cubs fans thought this was the beginning of the end. This is like you mean to tell me this we is how I get my heart ripped out of my chest this time. Fam, you know? we were sitting in we were sitting in right field, bro, up top in the, right outside the press box. Me and you, we said the same shit. Like, no, nah, I know this ain't about to end like that. That's Scott G. I watched that ball sail out of the park, and I in, in slow motion, bro. I'm sitting there thinking, like, hold on. That mean it's tired, right? right? Oh shit! It, it yeah, was it's, crazy. It's like you know, of course, this one completely different, obviously. But it's like when Rex Grossman threw that pick in Super Bowl Forty One <laughs> with like four dudes on, yeah, on Musa exactly. Muhammad, and I, I felt like I felt I felt like I got shot in my chest, and like <laughs> I ain't recovered from the interceptions. So I was like, yeah, the, the Cubs fans shouldn't have to go through this again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's how yeah. I felt when I saw that home run. Now hey, they won it, man. They want it, bro. They want it. That's all that matters. Because I was yep. about to ask, it's almost like they sold their soul for that one. But you win. And this is the debate me and Sean have all the time. And we, we, all, a, we definitely going to get into it with yeah. the White Sox. Yeah. We had this you debate got all one. the time. Okay. He, like, we, we, me and him had this debate about the longer run. I'm like, this is sports. If you have an opportunity to win it, you get it now. I'm not worried about five, six years from now. If the White Sox can win a World Series, whatever they do after that, it's whatever. I just need... One, like, you know, I think I saw something on Twitter that had, like, different pills. Like, would you take the Mahomes pill or Bears winning 06? Give me the Bears 06. Right. I'm not giving the Bears a chance to mess up Mahomes. I'm taking that championship every time. And see, my counter to that, and we'll get deeper into it as we go first to third in our next segment, and we start talking about the White Sox. My counter to that, Scott, is, look, I've got the one, right? I've seen the championship. So now, like, you can say it's greedy, but I look at the Cubs and I feel like they had the same situation. And I ask myself, and Gino, you can jump in. Like, man, when you look at Glaber Torres over there, it's like, man, did you have to go get Chapman? Was there somebody else you could have gotten without giving up your farm system? You know, did you have to? Did you have to go get Jose Quintana? And just give Eloy Jimenez? Now nah, I think that's the one that's gonna stand. Glaber is whatever. That that Eloy was might stay. Yeah. yeah, that was a whole nother scenario with Quintana. I feel. Yeah, I just yeah. feel like they got the one, but even after that, they kind of got outside of themselves and just gave up too much, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I think Eloy, Dylan, Cease, like those guys, could have been the bridge to get them to get them through well, the transformation. I mean, we we gotta we gotta make sure Dylan Cease can throw in the strike zone consistently. Right. For Cubs fans losing sleep on Dylan Cease. But I'm, I'm not even thinking about they Dylan went Cease. out. If they have Dylan Cease, do they go out and spend all that money on Chatwood? You know what I'm saying? Everything is a domino effect. You know, and then if you have that money to spend on something else, or you have it in your coffers for the next year. So what my counter to that is look. If I think we're going to be good, I don't just want the one. Like, I want to run that's similar to what the Yankees had in the 90s, in the early 2000s. They got yeah. that. They had that core five. I want, like, three in, like, eight, nine years. If I can get that, that's what I'm shooting for. That's the stars. And if I have to come back down and we only get one, then, okay, I'll settle, settle for it. 
But the t- right now, this day, I'm greedy. Right now, I'm this like, gonna you lead into four, you have a core five. Let's go get three in ten years, and then I'm good. Now, is this before? Is, is this after Jerry Reinsdorf? Now, this is something that you know. <laughs> yes. Every time me and Sean had these talks, I always got to bring the Reinsdorf reality card into it. You know, like this is to me, he's the biggest stop. <laughs> on the White Sox becoming a dynasty. And right. for somebody who claims to care about baseball more than basketball, he don't act like it. He really don't SD, act like SD, it. SD, you, you know this is right right on the line of what we was arguing about. Man, it's the same. Like, look, and I, I say that, but I do have a check in me that says, you know your organization. Yes. You, know your, you know your owner. So mm-hmm. I understand you're shooting for the stars. You want three and 10 years. You want what the Yankees had in the late 90s, early 2000s, because you feel like that core. Yankees had Steinbrenner. He didn't give a damn. And he was willing to spend. Exactly. Uh, he was going to go get those veterans. Man, they do. The, the Yankees won the World Series with Charles Hayes at third base. And don't get me wrong. Charles Hayes was a very good – Gino, don't laugh, man. <laughs> Charles Hayes, why you tripping? His son is pretty dope with Pittsburgh. Yeah. The third baseman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. His son is pretty dope. But I'm just saying, they won with Charles Hayes at third base, Jim Blair's DH and playing catcher. So it's like if you can build around that core – that they, I mean, they had Robbie, they had Jeter, they had Mariano, they had Bernie, they had Posada, and that core was solid for like a decade. But I also has to go to like also the development of the players, which is where I feel like White Sox, since we know as White Sox fans, since we know Ryan's not going to spend the money, you need to hit on these guys. They have to be consistently great. Like, um, like even we named the Yankees, we didn't name like three Hall of Famers. Right, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We didn't, we didn't name like Derek Jeter is, is Derek Jeter, he's the captain. You know, you got Mariano, you know, Maga Mariano, as I like to call him now. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's the greatest closer ever. You know, Joe Torrey was a great manager, so they had all these things that came together. So the White Sox need Tim Anderson, looks like he's the superstar that we wanted him to be. Jose Abreu is the superstar he wanted him to be. We need Eloy to continue. We need Luis to continue. We need all these guys to where it's easy to where you just have to add a couple things. You ain't got to worry about them messing up on right. spending money. And so we've got to what 2026, 2027 because I'm not expecting none of these dudes to have a second contract with the White Sox. Unless, you know, you know, I don't want to, you know, wish death on anybody. But if Jerry's not here, then whatever. But yeah, practically we're good for 2000 through 2025 with yeah. four. So that's man, that right there that gives us four years, a good yes. four to five years to make it happen. Because, like you said, especially if they win one, yeah, if they I feel like they one, can get one, then okay, what can we do now? What can we do to to add on it? So that that this, I'm ready to get into these these this off season so far. I got a lot of thoughts. Uh, hey, yo, so you mentioned it. I, I'll segue right into it. Okay. The Yankees had Joe Torre. Yes. Did the White Sox get their Joe Torre when they hired Tony La Russa? <laughs> Absolutely not. Now, see, like, this is my thing with Tony La Russa, man. I think Tony La Russa maybe is the greatest manager in baseball history, at least in the modern era. And we're just going off the stats. But this is like Phil Jackson coming out of retirement to coach the Clippers. Like, <laughs> no. No, he's old. And, you know, I get, I don't even care that he's racist. I don't even care that he got mad DUI. That ain't got nothing to do with me. It's baseball. I just assume off the rip all these dudes are racist. It's the fact, is he going to be asleep 
for half of these games. Uh-huh. You know, that that's what I'm worried about. When you got somebody like, uh, 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 you know, everybody's like, oh, well, Hinch cheated. Okay, we got to lay down the, the list of morality issues that the Russo got if we're going to go to Thank that. You. Thank you. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you hired a saint, you know, so that, that's the give, problem. Give me the cheater, fam. Yeah, right. that's the problem <laughs> I had. And it's just like, I think the most irritating thing about the White Sox is it's like they, they, they do something great and then they don't. You know, I'm excited about Lance Lynn 48 hours ago. Then they bring Adam Eaton back. And it's like, you just killed my excitement in 12 hours. Like, how, how is that possible? Did you do it that quick? So, and then they feed you little stuff in the media. Oh, they're talking about Michael Brantley. I believe it when I see it. So, I don't want the White Sox to get, you know, oh, well, we got next year. We got this year. I don't want y'all to be thinking about five this year. Worry about this season. Put all your chips on the table for this season. Because as much as fun as last season was, it was 60 games. You know, and they had a terrible end to the season. Like, they jagged. There's no reason why they shouldn't be putting up an AL Central banner in a couple months. They jagged that. So they need to prove it over 4-162. So you need to get as many veterans as on and get as much depth because it's going to be injuries. And that's just pretty much what I want to see from and, and I feel like Rick Khan is kind of a GM that I don't believe is fully his vision anymore. And that's what kind of, you know, makes me upset as a White Sox fan. Hmm. I feel like Jerry's like, what? Well, this is what we're spending, and this is all we're spending. Deal with it. So, I'm better than me. I probably would have quit after they after they hired Larusa. That'd have been like the last straw for me. I'd be like, all right, I'm out because <laughs> there's, there's no, there's no, there's no reason for this. So you like the Lance Lynn deal though? I, I love it. I like I like Dane Dunning. I feel like this thing about White Sox fans, you got to understand, they're always miserable. There's there's miserable, and the White Sox fans go hand in hand. I like Dane Dunning, but he had three good starts, and I think he'll eventually be a good pitcher. When you got this window, you got to get a guy like Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn is an innings eater. I think he's a good number three in the rotation. He's going to take um, some of the stress off the bullpen. The bullpen in them in those starts that wasn't wasn't Geo or Dallas were coming in the fourth, but did it. So you need to get some stress off these young guys. I think he's going to help with that. And there was a lot of people complaining about uh, they gave up too much for him. They should have got him at the deadline. The, the cost for him at the deadline was higher. Yeah, much higher. Yeah. You would have to give up Kopech. They were talking about Andrew Vaughn to get him. So the fact you only had to give up Dunning, I love it. But they can't just stop there. That's I'm that's why I'm holding judgment until the whole offseason is over before I give them a grade. So far, it's it's cool. You know, I I just want them to continue to do more. Man, before you guys respond, Gino and T Lance Lynn's story came out. His agent actually leaked some information around the trade deadline to stop him from being traded to teams that he didn't want to go to. And then he told the Rangers, if you trade me to a team that's a non-contender, I'm going to opt out for medical reasons. Mm. Wow. So when he did that, that just killed the value that he had on the trade market. Teams knew it. They couldn't get anything back. So like right now, what they got, Dunning and another uh, prospect was probably the best that they could get. And this was a day after Chris Young was introduced as a new GM. Yep. You know, so it's like people are questioning, was the deal done before he even got the job? Or did he just come in the door like, man, I'm getting rid of Lance Lynn. What it transpired. So just an interesting thing to throw there about Lance Lynn and how he eventually ended up with the White Sox. So for you guys, man, La Russa, what were your first 
Sean, man, I, I feel like I, I ever since we had our conversation, man, I, I've taken kind of a, a slower approach <laughs> to how I feel about what goes on to the White Sox because I, I feel like it's the same thing that we talked about. No matter how good the White Sox or, or what way the White Sox turn, the organization is going to give you a reason or, or, some, or you know, make you have to work harder to root for this team, you yeah. know. And that's exactly what happened with Tony LaRusso, bro. You know what I mean? You, you see this team uh, take the steps forward. They get into the playoffs. And although they, they, they should have advanced, they didn't advance. Guys like Tim Anderson and Lucas Giolito made you excited about the future. You know? You know that Ricky is probably on his way out. So and nice. then you get ex- and then so now you allow yourself to get excited about the possible replacements. Okay, you're like AJ Hinch. You you see how good it could possibly be, and then here come the White Sox dropping Tony Larusa on this team, bro. And although I I don't want to say I'm mad, I'm still completely confused. You know, it still just feels like the ultimate betrayal to some of these young players, man. Like now, every time Tim Anderson tweets something, I'm thinking it's a it's a subliminal shot at the Tony Larusa decision. You know, so so now I'm wondering, can this clubhouse stay? I'm asking myself questions that I didn't think I was going to be asking myself going into this next season. It's like, okay, how together is this clubhouse? Okay, I got a now- rebuttal for that though. I, I want to hear your opinion on this too. I had that was my one of my problems too about the clubhouse. But I do think this is a clubhouse that's like self-governed. And the reason I say that is I don't know if y'all read the athletic article um, about them reaching out to the to the uh, leaders of the team about Adam Meaton. And all of them were like, cool. I think it's a self-governed locker room with Abreu, with T.A., with Gio and Dallas. They're kind of like, yo, if anything, LaRusso's going to have to adjust to them, yeah. I feel. I don't Lance think it's going to be. Said that. Yeah, Lance yeah, I don't said that. Exactly I don't think it's going to be anything where they're going to have to adjust to LaRusso. It's going to be like, yo, these are the rules. And if not, I feel like they might go to management like, yo, we have a united front and this is the issues we have. So I don't really think that's going to be that big of a problem like I originally thought it mm-hmm. was when they hired him. Exactly, man. And like, like you said, Sean, I listened to that Lance Lynn interview. I think he did it with Dan Bernstein or something. But, man, I, I feel like I was uneasy until I heard Lance Lynn speak about not only who Tony LaRusso is as a manager and from his perspective, him being a younger cat in terms of players Tony LaRusso has managed, you yeah. know, but what he said about how the game has changed from players thinking that, all you know, all the extra stuff is, is disrespectful to it being just a form of these players expressing them, you know, expressing themselves and, and being individuals. I feel like that was a huge, he's a huge acquisition this team, you know, you know how some accusations are big, but in terms of this team, this it's even bigger than I yeah. than I gave it credit for when I first heard it because I was excited, you know, to get you know when I heard that Lance Lynn was on his way to the White Sox, I'm like, cool, that instantly solves yeah probably their biggest you know their biggest question. You know, yeah. we were wondering who was going to be that third starter, All right? And yes, and like you said, Scott, I was a Dane Dunning fan. I was excited for his future. But the truth is, you just don't know if he's really going to be that guy you think he could be. Yep. I mean, so if it was only right, you know, if you felt if you felt you can get a guy like Lance Lynn, I felt that was a no-brainer, you know? You know what, man? A lot of people, when you think about Adam Eden, and I, I really want 
Gino, because you've been in a championship locker room and you've seen the ups and downs. And I want to compare this. Maybe it's comparable. Maybe it's not to what took place with Adam. You know, because looking back, most people look at him now, call him a jerk, a-hole, all certain types of names. And you think about Adam Eaton, you think about that same type of guy. He's a jerk, right? You've heard stories about him getting up from autograph signing sessions with a line full of kids. And he says to the White Sox rep, that's 25, right? I met my quota. And he just gets up and walks away, right? He comes on ESPN 1000 with Carmen and Yurko. They ask him a question about how Tony LaRusse is going to uh, connect with the young players. Will it be a problem? This is the second question of the interview. He ends the interview and hangs up and says, I gave you guys two minutes. Like this. <laughs> that actually happened, bro? Actually yeah, that happened. happened. Same day he wow. got signed. Same day he got wow. signed. So, I mean, that's, that's who they're getting. So I understand, like, yo, you call the guys and they're like, okay, we're cool with it. Maybe feel like they feel like they can integrate him. I think the only person on the only two people on the roster that have experience with him are T.A. and Jose, right, T-Tom? Yeah, man, and, and, and they both wanted to steal off of him. Come right. On. They both <laughs> have bad experiences with him. So is that similar to what the Cubs went through with Addison Russell? Uh, I'm not sure if it's comparable because I feel like all of those guys loved Addison Russell. I think Addison, he was like the spirit, not maybe the spirit, but one of the spirits of like, if you, if you see the clubhouse, I mean, he was a guy who was to himself a lot of the time, but you could see when he was on the field, how much respect and how much the guys looked up to him to be that person for them up the middle, because we all know baseball games are won up the middle of the diamond. Right. So I think I wouldn't say it's necessarily comparable, but man, as far as the Adam Eaton thing is concerned, I mean, I understand that. I mean, even Ozzy, remember Ozzy said, man, nobody in the locker room likes you, bro. So, right. I mean, I just want to know, is that it? Because like Scott exactly. said, like that can't be it because exactly. also bringing a guy like Lance Lynn in, you're winning now. You're trying to win now. And back to even going back to the Cubs thing, it's like, yeah, you take the one. It's still three, four, five MLB teams that have never won a World Series. Right. So you can chop that off. You can knock that off of your, you know, knock that off the helm. But yeah, I just think now is the time because it's now or never. Like they got the talent. We saw what they could do. Like, like we all said, it was only 60 games. We would have loved to see a full season. But I think those guys, one through nine, are as talented as they come. And, yeah, you can't be looking You can't be looking four and five years down the line. You got to get this thing done right now. So I think with the hiring of Tony La Russa, you know, me and T, I try to tell him, man, this is all makeup for Jerry Reinsdorf when he fired Tony La Russa back in 87. It's like the girl on, that you man. got rid of. You, the, I guess the girl you – wasn't with it first. You got rid of her, and you see her like bossing up. You like, all right, okay. you know, right. she got a couple. She got a couple kids now, but I'm at least try. But I'm at least so, try yeah. out. She's still, she's still raw. She's you know, still decent. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's different if you know, because she would have to be like 75 years old. Right, it's like, right, no. Nah. But also, I think Tony Larusa is in the mob. You know, <laughs> so you know, he would not be shocked. Jerry looked out for his boy, but to to. To not even play devil's advocate, I'm just I'm I'm thinking 
maybe Tony La Russa is the guy that those guys need because I feel like at the end of the season, like CEO said, they jagged. They mm -hmm. literally jagged the season. And we saw Eloy out there. Yeah, oh, you you talking about the end of the regular season? The end yeah. of the regular season yeah. and the playoffs. They should they jag game three? That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. They should have beat the A's. Yeah. So I feel like Tony La Russa, maybe Jerry Reinsdorf feels like what Tony La Russa brings to this team manager-wise. His Him being a racist and all that other shit, okay, I understand that. But his baseball acumen, I mean, his track record speaks for itself. And maybe some of the old-school knowledge – I mean, we know the game has changed. We know the locker rooms and clubhouses are different. Most of these teams, you know, the 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 the, the Bruce Bochies and the Lou Pinellas and those guys are gone. And you got guys like Joe Madden and the and younger guys now. A lot of these managers right. are young, so they can relate to the players more. But I feel like when you got young players like Tim, Eloy, Luis, and all these other guys who probably need a swift kick in the ass. Maybe Tony LaRusa could provide that, and maybe they can maybe they can kind of find a middle ground and, and, and blend with each other, and, and, and it work out for the best. That's what I'm thinking. And me, me, me and Sean, what did I say all year? Yeah, yeah. Me and Sean, so was, I think there was multiple times where like Luis would do something, and I'm like, I'd have pulled his ass out the game. Yeah. Like, so there might be times they need accountability. I don't need a team to have fun, win damn games. I don't Seriously. care if y'all the most miserable team on planet Earth. Like, I always kind of feel like. Uh, liking each other in sports is very overrated. Kobe and Shaq fought and they three-peated. You know, right. like, you don't have to like each other. Deion Sanders, Jerry Rice couldn't stand each other. So I just need them to just win games. And if there's anything, we know the White Sox going to be. I wish there was a baseball hard knocks because the White Sox would be the team that I would want to see on that show. Because <laughs> you got so many storylines yeah. that they're going to be on national TV more. They even have the first Sunday night baseball game of the season. Huh. So they're going to be a story. And it's just, okay, there's expectations now. What you did, I'm never, I'm not, the, the days of me saying, okay, well, they tried. Them days are over. over we're, yeah. we're back to throwing remote days over here in my house. So <laughs> we, I, I need them to win. <laughs> so the expectations are on. And if Tony LaRusso is that guy, he's that guy. I just, you know, and I think Gino even said, time to win now. The man almost 80. We don't even know if he's going to be the manager next year. So it's even more pressure. If if I'm Rick Khan, I'd have told uh, Jerry, okay, look, if we hire your boy, give me an open checkbook. You know what I'm saying? And this right. is your man's. If you want him to win, give him as many weapons as possible. Right. So that's why I want to see, like, if, right. if Adam right. Eaton is your everyday uh, left fielder, he's not right fielder, he's not going to lose it. He's not. He can't be for the if same was, reason you guys are saying because it's time to win now. Yeah, and right. if that was the case, you could have just started Adam Angle. He had a mm -hmm. better year than he did. I mean, you still have Lurie on the contract. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. So there has to be that you have to get you a Brantley. You have to get you a Peterson. Or you go you don't trade for one. That can't be it. So I'm gonna wait. I know this is an uh, offseason that baseball offseason already run notoriously slow. But when you're in a pandemic, you got teams that don't want to spend anything. I don't think we're going to know the full roster of this team to maybe around MLK Day. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to be – it's going to move super slow. So I'm going to wait. But that better not be it. As a White Sox fan, you're not going to sell me out of meeting as your everyday right fielder. And, man, what did I tell you all year? I'm watching games, and Scott would tell me to calm down because before the season – Scott asked me, man, how many games do you think they're going to win? I said 35. He said, you crazy. I said, no, I'm telling you, the division sucks. 
like this, I'm like, they're gonna kill Detroit, they're gonna kill Kansas City, and if they can break 500 with Minnesota and Cleveland, they're going to win 35 games. And they ended up winning 35. I'm like, they have enough talent to do that. I expected them to blow some games because of that their youth. I yeah. expected that. I didn't expect Ricky to be as bad as he was down the street. Oh, he was terrible. He was terrible. I didn't expect that. And I feel bad for my boy Ricky, man. Look, the most shocking thing for me is to hear Steve Stone come on radio the day after Ricky Renteria was fired and say maybe they will finally work on fundamentals, fundamentals when they practice. And I said, what? I'm like, wait a minute. Are you saying that Ricky Renteria didn't go over fundamentals? And it took me back to the last three weeks of the season where I saw three failed rundowns, bro. Three failed rundowns. You learn rundowns in, my, in Little League, like the level before Little League. And even how many games were blown off the fact that Ricky didn't know how to manage his bullpen? And if there's, if there's one thing I'm not worried about Tony La Russa, is managing a bullpen. He's going to know. Well, as long as he knows who's in the bullpen. Right. It's like, as long as he knows who's in the bullpen, we should be fine. It's like, it's like Ricky went there and was like, you know, all right, let me randomly pick somebody. Right. Well, often than not, he he, he picked the wrong guy, you know? Runners on second and third? Let me put Carlos Ruiz in. Right. How many times did he put C-Shack in when he should have forgot about him? He should have been waived. C-Shack should have been waived. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I saw Luis Robert in the exhibition game go to one knee and take him, yeah, uh-huh. I'm like, no, nah, there's no way you make this roster. <laughs> no way you make this roster. So free agency, they pick up pick up Lance Lynn, they get Adam Eaton, they're in on Michael Brantley. He's probably looking for a two year deal. White Sox might want to give him one year for around ten to twelve million, and then they're in on Liam Hendricks, the closer for the A's. As well, that was reported by Bob Nightingale, which means that they were probably good because if Nightingale saying it, it's coming from Kenny, right? And, and Jerry, but know. if I mean Liam Hendricks, he was really good two years ago, struggled in a truncated season, so small sample size. He might come back to form next year if you get him. But I mean, I wouldn't be mad if they brought Colomay back, exactly. It's my thing about Colomay, man. I like Colomay. Would I consider him a lockdown? This is to me stats lie a little bit because he always makes it interesting. I don't want to be, you know, having a drink every time he come in the game. Like, so if 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 we can get Liam Hendricks, I'm 100% down for it because Colomay makes it too close. And I think the hardest three outs in the game to get, I don't care what analytics say, are the last three outs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And yeah. Ricky would stretch it and try to get four, five outs from him. Like, and see, Scott, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah I mean, a, a lot of the times where Color Bay made it close, he was being mismanaged, but you know, by yeah. Ricky getting stretched out, stretched out, and yeah. you know, and, and that I think that added to you know some of his issues. Even though he, like you said, I, I would still love Col- if if it ends up being him, then I'm not mad. Yeah, I'm not know? mad at it, but if Hendrix is there, go get Hendrix. Man, yeah. I want another veteran. I want maybe one or two veteran arms in that bullpen. Like, look, yeah. I lose out the bullpen. They did a fantastic job. They overachieved. Uh, you possibly have Garrett Crochet going into Ew. the eighth inning, ninth yep. inning. If you have Hendricks or you have Colomay, the eighth and ninth are pretty good. The young guys should be able to field the sixth and seventh. The, 
I'm worried about this catcher situation, especially. Yes, thank you. I, I wanted to touch on that. I want to touch on that. with the Angels, like it looks like he's going to in the next couple of days. Which makes and me worried all, about Lucas. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's two things that on that. Yeah, bro. One thing, the Angels front office needs to be arrested for malpractice because they can, <laughs> they keep ignoring that they don't have pitching. Y'all can score. Get pitches. I just I don't even understand why they end James McCann. But they cannot expect Zach Collins or some other random dude to be Yas uh, Yasmani's everyday backup. That to me is terrible. Like, go get you a vet who can be come because Zach Collins is trash. I'm sorry, I'm out of the Zach Collins. You know, oh, he can be good. I'm all, I'm, all, I'm, I'm fully all Zach. I, the boy is doo doo. Like, so we just need to let go of that drink. He can't be your everyday backup catcher, man. So they need to address that. So as a White Sox fan, I lose. I just hope that Rick Hahn ain't home playing video games. I hope he's, you know, working. <laughs> like I'm all for moving Ronaldo. I'm all for moving Cease. Like yes. if, if that's gonna get you that catcher, they they're not about to go out and get JT Real Muto. Oh, of course not. They're not spending money on that. I mean, heck, I know the dude. I, I'm gonna be honest, Gino. I love Caratini, bro. Caratini's a good backup I catcher. Love Caratini. Yeah. Well, that's why they that's why there's talk about Wilson Contreras on the market because you can get a return on that. And they love Victor Caratini and they love the guy in triple A, Miguel Amaya. Yeah. I wouldn't, I mean, I I I really like Victor Caratini. I think he needs, I think he where he falls is when he doesn't, you know, he he'll have a, a hot four or five games and then he doesn't play for two games. So I think if he, if he could find a home elsewhere, I mean, I'm with that. But, yeah, I I, I definitely love Victor Caratini, man. Man, if the Cubs actually move Wilson and KB, they probably could get a nice little return yeah. for those two guys. I think, matter of fact, just broke the last couple of days that Boston might be interested in KB. Mm. And I know that farm system is pretty good, so – that should be pretty dope. Now, let's talk about the future of this team, man. We touched on it just a little bit. What's your expectations, T, for the, Scott? For what's the White your Sox? For this core, yes. For this up, for upcoming season there. or just in general? No, just in general. Um, I think my expectations for – they need to – first of all, I think that – I'm not worried about winning the division. I think the division is going to be very winnable for the foreseeable future. Minnesota uh, step back because Nelly Cruz and Rosario. Yeah, this is my thing about Minnesota. People need to stop bringing up Minnesota, man. <laughs> bringing up Minnesota is like bringing up the Portland Trailblazers every year. Like, okay, they're cool, but when it comes to playoff time, whatever. You know where they're going to be in a few days. Yeah, like we they, they were out of the playoffs in like a day. I feel I, I don't like wanna... that's a slight diss to Dame Dollar, Scott. I love Dame. I love Dame. Dame is probably top five player of mine. Okay. But he ain't winning no championship on Portland. It, it just I, is what it is. I can uh, roll so um that to me yeah. is they can win a division, but you gotta look long term how you competing with the Yankees. You know what I'm saying? How are you competing with even the Rays or uh you know these teams that are going to be there in your way to get to the World Series? You should only right. be thinking about the World Series. Um, Detroit ain't gonna be nowhere no time soon. Kansas City, none of them. Don't worry about them. Who can you what can you do? So I'm really trying to see the development if these if our young core and mainly just the pitching because i'm not worried about us scoring runs at all that's not a problem of mine i want to be more consistent with runners on base i feel like they left too many on base all season, especially in game three like the pitching the the 
the bullpen problems we had in game three were huge, but we left like 12 people on base. To me, that was just as big or even bigger problem, the reason that we lost game three. So that needs to be worked on. But if all these guys can reach their potential or somewhat be in that, I think they're going to be in the conversation for the next couple of years. And to me, that will make your job easier if you're Rickon because you don't have to worry about major holes. You just got to, you know, plug in. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like what the Lakers did this year. Lakers got LeBron and AD. So all you got to do, get you a Wesley Matthews, get you a Dennis Schroeder. You can just do that with these teams. But for this coming season, if let's just say they didn't add anybody else, let's just say we got the roster right now, I would say they probably could win 90, 92 games. I picked them in a division, and then after that, it's okay. I don't know if we can. It kind of depends on what are the Yankees doing. You know, who are they going to get? So we need to make this team as stacked as possible. Depth, depth is going to be huge. You're going to get injuries. And get as many arms as possible. That's anything we've been seeing in the playoffs over the last couple of years. The days of your starters going into the seventh inning and the playoffs are done. So right. get as many arms as possible. And if they can do that, I think we're going to be at least in the conversation for the next three to five years. No, I, I echo every single one of your sentiments, Scott. You know, as, as long as that window is wide open, which I think it is right now, then the White Sox have to do everything in, they, in their – in their, uh, you know, in their purview to make sure it stays open. Um, Depth, uh, that pitching staff, even though I really like it right now, you look at Kopech getting ready to join the mix. And uh, just from talking to him, I think, you know, fans are going to be pleasantly surprised with the type of athlete that he is. I mean, you could you could possibly be talking about a number one when it comes to my Kopech. You know, and I think, you know, they still have players to bring up. Right. That, that are going to add to this mix. So although I'm, I'm thinking World Series uh, over the next four or five years, for sure, I still view this as a, a team that's completely still developing, still putting pieces together. Uh, but like like you guys, I feel like it's safe to say right now, if these guys don't get at least one over the next five years, then something went wrong. Yeah, I can agree with that. I already told you what my expectations are. I'm shooting for the moon. I'm trying to have this core do the same thing that Yankees core did. And if I can get three, I'm cool. I'll settle. I'm cool with that. But like you said, you touched on it. I don't similar to what, the, well, dissimilar from what the Cubs did. I'm not looking to move on and I'm not looking to move Kopech. Like, mm -hmm. no, like Kopech, let that dude develop. I saw enough from the three starts. Now it's being healthy. Like, stick him at number four. He, ha he doesn't have to be the guy. So that's cool. You can ease him back in. He can be a number four. He can be a number five. And Vaughn, we don't know how much longer Jose has, man. We just yes. don't. Honestly, yeah. we, we hope that he can get yeah. another two or three years. But literally, Gino, you know you play the game, man. You wake up. These players, they get over 40 or get close man. to 50, and they wake up one day, they don't see the ball the same way. Their hands don't move as fast. So you just don't know. And if that happens to Jose in the next two years, it would be sweet to just move Andrew, Andrew Vaughn right into yep. that spot and keep it moving and not have to give up prospects or overspin. I mean, Jerry's not going to do anything anyway. But, you know, you just keep moving and keep the core moving. So let's go ahead and end it, man. I'm about to play a little game with you guys, man. Let's see how well, it I just want to say one go thing before we, before we get to that. I think yeah. Kopech is the uh, –
the X Factor because I think he's going to be a beast. And the reason why I'm skeptical about uh, trading him or Vaughn is the same reason. You know Jerry's not going to spend money. So you can't be giving up your assets if you know your owner's not going to spend money. So you need to give them – they need to be what they're going to be. If Kopech can be the guy that I think he's going to be, then that makes the Lance Lynn, Lynn deal look even better. Because right. now you got four, and then you just got Cease at the five. And I think Cease can at least be a five if he doesn't even get any better. And then to me, you got a crazy four-man rotation. Man, so. that's what – I mean, Ethan Katz, the hiring is so dope, and I was inspired to hear him say, man, I want to work with all of these guys. Like, don't move anybody. I want to work with these young arms because that just gives us more assets. Now we have more assets to go out and we don't have to come off Kopech, and we don't have to move on, so it should be dope. Let's play this game as we get ready to close out. I appreciate you guys for joining me on the podcast today. This is called the step-off, right? So I'm going to throw out a topic or a question. If you agree with it, just say I'm going to step off. If you don't like it, just call balk. Like, hey, hold on. I disagree. That's a balk, and get to your, uh, the point why you disagree. So right? if you say, hold on, say that. If I agree, I say what? If you agree, you uh -huh. just step off. Okay. You know what I'm saying? If you disagree, gotcha. call the bulk. Okay. And cool. I'll let you go ahead and give the reason why. Gotcha. All right. The 2020 Toronto Blue Jays will be this year's version of the 2019 Chicago. I mean, the 2020-21 Blue Jays will be the 2020 version of the Chicago White Sox. Bulk. Bulk. You bulk. Yeah, I'm balking. Yeah. I'm balking on that one as well. All right, Gino. Um, I mean, I like the young talent, but yeah, I think I'm gonna have to balk on that one as well. But you never know. Back to before we even started, I just want to say I don't have no. I've learned to not have no expectations for none of these teams, man. So I'm I'm gonna leave it there. All right, so you all are balking at Toronto. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like Toronto. Got like they got nice little young talent, but they in a division with the Yankees and with the with the. I'm not expecting the Rays to go anywhere, so they have to take a massive leap. And I think the only thing that really, if the Yankees didn't have all the injuries, I think they probably would in a regular season. I think they had a cruise control with that division. In my yeah. personal opinion, yeah. I still think the Yankees are the kings of the hill in that division. I think it's going to stop them. From and they still got a lot of stuff they got to do consistently for me to put them into where the White Sox did last year. The Tampa Bay Rays will once again win the National League East, the American League East. I mean, the American League East, my fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm balking on that one, man. I'm looking for uh, who we got out there? Who was it? Boston, the Yankees, Tampa Bay, and who else? It was Boston, the Yankees, awesome. Tampa Bay, and who else? Blue Jays in that Blue division, Jays. and yeah. the Orioles, and the Orioles, trash Orioles. Yeah, no, I'm looking for the I'm looking for the Yankees to go ahead and take that. I'm 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 balking on that one. Man. Even if they even if they lose DJ, yeah, they could. DJ is a great player, but they can they'll they'll find somebody to plug that in. Yeah, I'm gonna balk on that. I'm gonna okay. balk on that. I'm Yankees, man. Yankees to me, I'm you know. Yankees gonna win that in the full 162. I'm rolling with the Yankees. Yeah. Now, me as well. I, I'm catching the end of it, but definitely I, I'm going with that one. Let's come bring it back to the National League, man. Christian Yelich will get back to his NL MVP form in 2021. I agree. I'll step off on that. I agree. 
Yeah, I'll step off with that one, but does that mean he's winning NL MVP? No, just get back to his form. Oh, yeah. I'll step might not win it, but get back to that form. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of the candidates. Yeah, I'm stepping I'm, off. I'm walking, yeah, I'm walking off on that one as well. The 40 game season, what wasn't wasn't nice to a few people, but I'm not willing to, to say that that's a mark on their careers. You know what I mean? And Christian Yellich is definitely one of the guys I feel gets back to it. And I want to leave you guys with this. We kind of started off with it. Major League Baseball is much better than it was 10 years ago in the black community. Yeah, I'm balking, man. I'm out of here on that one. Yeah. That's a big balk, fam. I'm balking. Yeah, I balked for the simple that's the balk in the run scores from third. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Right. 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 Exactly. Run definitely score on that because even meeting black people who watch baseball, it's like maybe 80 odd I know personally. It's like it's like we got like a secret society. You know, right. um, you know, it's not a lot of us. So like even if our people were getting crazy, I was watching the World Series over the NBA final and people looking at me like I had lost my mind. So right. I'm definitely balking on that. <laughs> Yo, it's dope because before you guys get to it, Dominique Smith, a uh, former player with the Phillies, man, he has a great initiative going on right now. He's from Florida, and he's saying they've already done a great job of trying to integrate baseball back into the communities with programs and building fields. But he said he's uh, committed to the East Coast and that area up there in the Northeast because it's really lacking, and they really haven't invested in the inner city in those areas like they have down south. You know, it, we know, Gino, we know people that played in the major leagues that have programs that were here in Chicago and they've gone and moved down south yeah. to Texas to improve things for their children to give them a better opportunity in the game of baseball. Yeah. So it's, it's still needed here, even in Chicago, because as I said before, you can argue that in every era of major league baseball post Jackie Robinson that there was an African-American player or a Latino player that was the best player in that era. No you can definitely argue that. So we are as a culture and at the center of the game, regardless of how they want to run it. When you look at baseball and even today, I said, I think Mookie Betts is, Betts is the best player in baseball today. I mean, Arenado is right there. I won't, I won't argue and debate if someone chooses Arenado. If somebody had said Christian Yelich before this. I mean, you, you got to include Trout, too, even though Trout. Oh, like, absolutely. I think uh, Stu Gotts from Levitar got the best quote ever about Mike Trout. He said, Mike Trout could be sitting on my lap, and I wouldn't know that's Mike Trout. Here so Here. that's like the biggest indictment on him is he looks like every dude in Orange County. Like, I could be walking <laughs> outside of Angel Stadium, and I wouldn't know it's Mike Trout. And I watch mad baseball. Yeah. I wouldn't know if I seen him walking down the street. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the dopest things I saw, man, is uh, Ken Griffey Jr. was doing an interview with Shannon Sharp on his club, Shay Shay, and he asked Ken Griffey Jr. for his top five players all time. And they was all black. They yes. was all of them. Yo. Willie, and come on. You asked me my top five, and they all black. Shit. Mark Burley got a spot in mind, but other than that, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Frank Thomas, <laughs> Ken Griffey. Ah, Gino. Mom. Shit. However you want to do it. Barry Bonds, Ken Griffey Jr., Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden, Andre Dawson. Nick. My top five is more just like more, more, more players that I like more than the actual skill. Uh, my oh, favorite, yeah. 
player of all time is hands down Frank Thomas. I mean, if it wasn't, wasn't for the big hurt, I wouldn't care about baseball. Like, you know, the first baseball game I ever went to, yeah. I saw him, you know, hit a home run. I've been a fan ever since. Number two, very close number two, King Griffey Jr. He was the reason I wore my hat back was as a kid. You know, like, I, I love Jr. Uh, number three will probably have to be uh, – Paul Canerco is my guy. Like I feel like he's like you know, you know, you know. He's all these like the South Side captain. Uh, Jeter is my man. Love Derek Jeter. Yeah. And then number five, I gotta give it to Barry. Barry the goat to me. You know, Barry is, is a goat. Uh, they need to put him in the Hall of Fame. He had like three MVPs and eight gold gloves before he had a head the size of Manhattan. So. Not looking like Mr. Potato, <laughs> right? You know when he was when he was wearing knee pads to be in center field. You know, yes, sir. That's probably my my five. T. Tom, close us out, man. And I'm definitely going Frank Thomas at the top of my list. Just a childhood hero, man. Grew up loving watching the Big Hurt. Ken Griffey, uh, Barry Bonds. Then I'm going Mark Burley and Manny Ramirez, man. Oh, I love Manny, man. Yeah. That right there. That right there. Just I, That's my baseball five right there, you know? That's tough. My top five, man, without a doubt. Frank is in it. Tony Gwynn is in it. Tony mm. Gwynn was my dude. Tony Gwynn was a beast. Man, when I was in Little League, that was the left-handed cat. I patterned my whole swing after. T. Oh, Gwynn. Yeah. Hey, pardon the body on that one. Tony Gwynn is definitely one of my all-time favorites. Man, T. Gwynn. And then I'm an old-school cat. The connection with my dad and the stories he used to tell me, man, is definitely Hank Aaron, Willie Mays. And then, I, man, for me, I have to go Ken Griffey. Yeah. You know, I love I love Barry Bonds, but the Ken Griffey is like he was like Kobe. Yeah. Oh yeah. To me, yo. You know, that and he had that impact. Like yep. to the game, 19, fresh, kind of like Kobe showed up, swag. Made it cool. Made yep. it cool. The the smoothest swing I've I've ever seen. Talking about oh, best swing your, your swing after you when you get that rock. Yeah, you know, that that was Ken Griffey all day, and he came in just playing out like a legend. Like if you bring up the, the Kobe comparison, the reason I'm such a Kobe fan is Mike was, of course, being in Chicago. Mike was the guy, you know, when I was, you know, when I was a kid. But when I seen Kobe go head to head with Mike, I was only ten years old. But I was like, nobody go head to head with Mike, right? And yeah. then I, I I love Kobe from that moment on. And so Junior was one of them guys, he just came out the gate with it, and you just had the – he was so different from the norm at the time. And, you know, people were losing their mind, him going his hat backwards. Right. You know, and that to me just showed you how cool he was. Yo, man, I thank you guys for joining me. I remember when that cat Griff took uh, Greg Maddox when he was with the Cubs out in the All-Star game. Oppo. I'm talking about a rocket. Oppo in old Jack Murphy Stadium out in San Diego, Gino. Ooh. Old Jack Murphy. Ooh. Well, you know, going oppo there was just like it's tough, <laughs> man. And I looked in the dugout when he ran up in the dugout, and I just saw all of the talent that was in the dugout. Like, good God, crazy, wasn't it? Baseball back then was bananas. Like the talent was like crazy. The, the catcher was Benito Santiago. Hey, look, man. <laughs> look, man. That man was a beast back there. Beast. Ba baseball needs to do a better job of. Of broad of was marketing their talent. And I feel uh, like we got a lot of young guys too. There's no reason that Fernando Tati shouldn't be the hottest thing walking right now. Oh, him, him and Tim Anderson, Robert Acuna, they have personality with their games. Man. And they need to market those guys. Yep. You talk about two of my favorite players today. 
those those dudes right there, I could watch them play baseball all day. And yep. I feel like they dropped the ball on Mookie Betts. Like that was yes. the easiest marketing campaign of all time. League MVP, World Series. Come on, man. With, with the coolest name in sports. Coolest yeah, name. Mookie, he played on. for the Dodgers too with Mookie. Even, even when he was in Boston. Yeah. yeah. He was down. Like Mookie is like the easiest marketing campaign in the entire world. Man. Is he with Nike? Mookie with Nike, right? Um, that's a good I think point. he's with Jordan. He's with Jordan. Why isn't there a, a rebrand on the Spike Lee commercial? Mookie from you know, uh, do the right thing, Mookie. Best. Yes. Do that. Why wasn't he in the Drake uh last video with all the Nike stars? Oh man, but they had no baseball player. He should have been in there. <laughs> there you go. So, man, first edition on Mini Mike's podcast network, the call third podcast, right here with my guys, man. I got Scott Lewis. My boy Eugene McIntosh and my boy Terrence. Y'all already know your family, man. I appreciate you guys so much, man. We have to do this again. Yes, sir. Stay tuned, man. We'll probably be uh it'll probably be a while before we come back with another episode of the call third. Probably be right before spring training after all the moves have been made. And we'll start to forecast the season and talk about the 162 that leads us on the south side to a World Series championship. And hopefully we're facing off against David Ross and the guys. And we Still. can make it, and everything is open back up. We're all healthy. We can come back out to the games and we can celebrate the Chicago World Series, man. I still yes, need to see that. I still no need that in my future, man. So for my guys, we bid you adieu. And as always, man, the best is what yet to come. Blessings to everyone out there. Appreciate you watching the Call Third Podcast. Appreciate you, SD. Peace.